So we are working through re-engage, and we have, uh, we started off with the, let me back up a second, re-engage is actually a ministry we have at our church, and it's all about being able to re-engage in your marriage. It's all about, okay, we started, we were excited, remember those exciting engagement times, something may have drifted, uh, or how can we go from where we are to being closer together? How can we engage with each other. And the first principle, we're just grabbing a couple of those principles. First principle was that we really don't have the power to love our spouses the way that we promised, the way that they dream we would, or the way that God has created us to do that. That that understanding of what love is and how that we need Christ's love to be able to love like that. It's not natural. It doesn't come natural to us. Then last week we introduced uh, just a super cool principle, which is, is your, is your marriage built on grace or is it built on works? And that naturally we build our marriages on works. And that's why we're in constant competition. That's why we find ourselves always looking to the other person to change so that it can get better. And this under- introduction of this idea that we could be loved by grace. Again, it comes back to, am I able to accept Christ's grace so that I can build my my relationship that way. This next one, we're going to be talking about the foundation to intimacy, the foundation to intimacy. Some of you are doodlers. If you have your notes out, uh, just on your notes there, make those uh, the hearts, right? You make the heart and then you make the other heart like right next to it. So they're connected. Do that right now. Go ahead and do it. That is kind of a symbol of intimacy. It's that our two hearts are entwined. They're together. They're close. This isn't about whether or not we're winning. This isn't about whether or not we're succeeding financially or we're we're succeeding with the kids. This is about the fact that we're in this together. We're sharing this together. And when you first dated, intimacy tends to be natural. The feeling of intimacy tends to be natural because it's built on hope. You date people on the hope of what your relationship could be like, not what it actually is. How do I know that? Because you don't know anything about that person yet. And sometimes when you get to know them, it destroys the intimacy. What's the foundation to to getting to know each other, live with each other, and have this intimacy? The opposite of it is, is the spiral of death. That's the spiral where you are on this thing where it just seems like every conversation, it gets worse and worse. And when you try to fix it, it gets worse and worse. Or maybe you've done trying to fix it. And so you don't try to fix it anymore. And you see in the other person that you are, you see the distance, you feel the distance, but you don't know what to do about it. You can't seem to get it back on track. You've tried different things, but you haven't been able to do that. This principle today has to do with the foundation of intimacy. It is the practice of what I'm going to teach you today. Now, as we jump into this, what I'm going to teach you today is new to many people. When people go through this and re-engage, oftentimes it's the first time they've ever seen it. They've they've never actually looked at it that way before. So today's uh, message is more about you grabbing hold of and wrestling with these principles than it is in you going, oh, wow, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change my life. This is awesome. I like those two, right? Those are good. That's when you walk out of church going, oh, and you made me cry. I love that. I love when you say you made me cry. Today, I'm not going to make you cry, but it could be an amazing foundation or block in your life in terms of being able to experience real 
intimacy. The foundation to intimacy is repentance and confession. It's the practice of repentance and confession. It's not a one-time repentance and confession. It's the practice. It's an it's a almost daily part of your life. It's something that you do on a regular basis in the way that you interact with each other. And so first I'm going to teach you uh, what uh, these two pieces, and then we're going to jump into the repentance part of it. Next week we're going to deal with the um, forgiveness part of it. So first, repentance and confession. Uh, this is, what is that? It's, this is what I did. I, I did it. Number two, or B, this is what I broke, stole, destroyed, and owe you. In this conversation, confession and repentance and forgiveness is actually an interchange. It's almost like a, a financial interchange, but it's not money. It's where you've broken something, you've stolen something, you've taken it, and so you owe it to the other person. Forgiveness is when you say, you know what? You don't have to pay that back. I'll pay for it. That's what forgiveness is. And the world talks about forgiveness all the time. It's not the definition of the Bible, but they talk about it all the time. And, and even in our circles, we talk about it all the time. But if you don't get what repentance is, forgiveness doesn't really matter. Intimacy is not built just on forgiveness. It's built on repentance. It's the thing in your circle that you have total control over. 100% total control over. So this is what I broke, I stole, I destroyed, and I owe you. See, this is the byproduct of what I'm responsible for as well. In other words, when I skipped school, right, or when, when I threw a snowball at the teacher's truck, you know, all I was doing fooling around, I didn't expect to break it. That was a byproduct. Oftentimes in our lives, we're like, yeah, yeah, I did that wrong, but you can't blame me for the byproduct. Well, repentance is, no, no, I not only broke that, but I caused that ripple. I'm the one who caused the insecurity. I'm the one who caused what came out of that. I am responsible for the byproduct. D, come clean about what you did, said, and thought. You tell the whole story. Not part of the story. You don't couch it in your way of saying it. You tell the whole story. If you've ever tried to tell the whole story, you know how hard this is. You naturally tell half the truth. You naturally tell it in such a way that you don't say all of it. You don't say how ugly it really is. So you come clean, you repent. So what do you do next? Ask for forgiveness. That's the two sides to it. We're going to jump into what is repentance? What is repentance? So uh, as, you face, um, as you face this, uh, this question, many times I, feel, I see people interact with repentance um, or we, when we go through this and re-engage, people are like, wow, I never... I, that's brand new for me. I've never, I've never interacted with it that way. So we're going to start with uh, an Old Testament passage. And uh, this is, it's beautiful and amazingly powerful. Even if you don't really believe in God that much, even if you're kind of trying to figure this out, you can still pray this prayer. And it, it seems to have impact. God seems to interact with you. He says this in the Old Testament, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Because you see this cycle that you're in? It's not an issue just of what is said and done. It's a heart issue. 
There's something going on in your heart. Intimacy happens in your heart. Yes, it can happen physically, but when you have intimacy physically without intimacy of the heart, it's just sex. When you have intimacy physically with the heart, it's called making love. There's a really big difference between the two. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, like test me, like really go at it and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. I use the King James Version because it uses the word wicked way. God, take a look at me. Is what I'm doing, thinking, feeling, saying, the core of this thing that's happening, is there a wicked way in me? And lead me in the way of everlasting. Another passage, I mean, same passage, different, uh, different translation says it this way. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I think that's interesting. You already know the sins there. Very rarely do you pray this prayer and go, oh, had no idea. You can't name it, but you have anxious thoughts about it. For many of you, the anxiety problems you have is because of the loads of sin that you're hiding and stuffing down and pushing down. It's there. You're just working so hard to keep it down. It's, it's got you literally anxious, worried. Point out anything in me that offends you. Now, this is key. This has nothing to do with your spouse. Zero. This is not a conversation with your spouse. This is a conversation with God. Now, you can argue with God as to whether or not that's a sin or not. And take all the time you want. You're going to lose. He doesn't make them up. He's not going to go, yeah, this is it. This is the problem right here. And when, when we have that conversation with our spouse, and they go, yeah, this is the problem right here. You go, yeah, but what about what you did? And I did it for this reason and this excuse. This is really cool. When you have this prayer with God and you're honest about this and he goes like that, you go, got it. That's true. Yeah, that's me. I did that. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, when I, usually, when I use the word repentance, do you associate repentance with freedom? Or do you associate repentance with, I'm in trouble? I associate it with, I'm in trouble. Because anytime I've ever repented, I had to tell somebody what I did, which led to me getting in trouble. But the truth is, it's a path to freedom, change, and victory. Because I am turning from a lie to the truth. I am turning from pride to humility. It's pride that tells me it's trouble. It's pride that tells me to cover up. It's pride that tells me to go halfway. From excuses to surrender, from anxiety to peace. So look real quickly, what repentance is not. What repentance is not. These are natural responses. 
Repentance is not denying and cover up, covering up sin. Repentance is not coming, coming half clean, three quarters clean, 98% clean. It's not going, yeah, I know we have a problem, but let's, let's cover it up. Nope, it's, let's open it up. Repentance is not simply being sorry for my sin. So uh, um, let me grab this really quickly. I will be back in one second. Because sin is a little bit, right, like this. You break things. That's what you do. Yeah. When you, when you break things, you break things. Because I want you to see what sin is really like. Yeah, I know. The glass would go everywhere. You got the idea? You imagined it. Sin breaks things. That's what it does. So... Once I've broken something, and I'm up here, and I'm so sorry that I broke it. I'm down in tears. I'm, I'm almost going to get on my knees. I won't because there's glass all over the floor. And, and I, right? And I'm so, so sorry. Does that change a thing? Nothing. Repentance is not about being sorry. Repentance is not merely promising to stop sinning. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. Many times in our relationships, we think that we can stop this process if we can convince the other person we're not going to do it again. We try to create security by explaining to them how we're not going to do it again. But what does it create? Insecurity. Repentance is not about the fact that you have convinced yourself you're not going to do it again. Because when we're doing this, we're usually carrying the hammer in our hand. And the other person says to us, okay, good, set down the hammer. And you're like, no, 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 I can do it without putting down the hammer. No, it's not stopping to sin. Repentance is not confessing sin. This might surprise you. Repentance is not confessing sin. If I tell you I broke it, it's my fault, I broke it, I did it. Have I repented? Not necessarily. Many of you do this all the time. You say, I did it. You even say, I was wrong. You even say, it's my fault. But you don't repent. Repentance is not self-condemnation. Oh, I'm so terrible. I'm so rotten. I'm told. We love this one, especially in our culture. We love this one. We just focus that baby on us, and it's all, that's not repentance. Repentance is not being afraid of one's sin. You've experienced this a hundred times. You did something... And you're afraid of the sin because you saw the consequences or you saw the byproducts. You're like, I'm never going to do that again. But you have. And you're less afraid now. And you have. And you're less afraid. It's not about being afraid of your sin. It's not about an emotional reaction. Repentance is not merely reformation. This one's interesting. You can change your behavior and not repent. There are people who were mean alcoholics and they're not alcoholics anymore. They don't drink anymore. But they haven't repented. They beat that particular behavior. But there's not repentance. Repentance is not a prayer. Repentance is not talking to God about it. Repentance is not going, God, help me. Oh, God, change me. Oh, God, help me with this. That's not repentance. As a matter of fact, you've done that. 
Some of you either have or you know people who no longer really believe that God is going to change you or change your situation because you prayed that prayer and it didn't change. I, I thought God would change me. He, he didn't. Right. Because you didn't repent. You prayed. Repentance is not unending suffering, isolation, self-pity, giving sin all the attention and self-loathing. It's not what it is. How many times in your relationship have you had a conversation and you thought, if I tell them this, if I come clean about this, if I explain to them how badly I feel, if I can convince them how much I'm never going to do this again, it'll stop the process. But all it did was set you up for failure. Why? Because you did it again. Or maybe you stopped doing it, but that's become the focus of your life. It's like a person on a diet. Just tell me you're on a diet. <laughs> don't tell me about the whole diet. And the rest of the night, don't relate everything we talk to to your diet. Right? So, repentance is important. It's important all the way through the Bible. It's been important for the entire of all of humanity. It's something we all have in common. There's a passage in, the old, in Ezekiel 18.30 that says, Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Jesus said over and over again, repent and turn to me. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, there's a passage. It's, it's so powerful. It's, it's awesome. It says this, for you became, and this letter was written to uh, Paul. He had written them a letter about a sin they were dealing with, and they had dealt with the sin. They had come through the process of of repentance, and now he's writing to them after that's happened. He says, For you became sorrowful. Uh, yes, sorrowful. You became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But listen to this line but worldly sorrow brings death. Natural, what comes natural to us brings death. That list of things I just went through, it brings death. You're like, no, I, I had really good intentions. Like I really, really wanted to repent. I was really trying to repent. Right. But you did it your natural way, and it brings death. Don't I get points for that? No, you not only don't get points, it just paves the way for death. It creates more pain and suffering out of that proposition. It tears you apart. It's why you can work so hard on your marriage and it gets worse. It's why you have thoughts going through your head that this isn't going to work. It's not worth it. It's why you hear people say all the time, we've worked on our marriage. 
Yes, you have. With worldly sorrow. Then he says, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness. That's the desire to get something done. It's like, no, this is, this is important. This is something we've got to take care of. It's, earnestness is set toward accomplishing something. Earnestness is not focused on the problem. They're focused on the solution. What eagerness to clear yourselves. You see, when you know that you've broken the glass and you come clean about that, you accept it's your responsibility, you start looking for the broom. How am I going to clean this up? I want, I want to do something about this. What indignation. But the indignation is not toward your spouse. The indignation is toward your sin and the byproduct of your sin. What alarm. This one always amazes me. I'm sure I do it in my life and lots of other areas, but this amazes me. That your marriage will be in trouble and you'll go work on other things. It's like, yeah, our marriage is in real trouble and I gotta work on my career and I gotta work on this. And I, that makes no sense. If your marriage falls apart, it's the, it destroys your life. The way that godly sorrow works is you're like, there's an alarm. We're going to deal with this now. Have you ever in your house had the fire alarm go off and go, yeah, there's a few other things I need to take care of. <laughs> no. We've got to take care of that now. Everything else stops. We're going to take care of that now. That's what godly sorrow is. What longing what do you mean? I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do something about this. What concern? What readiness to see justice done? What? Yeah. I want this made right. I want it made right. You see, in this circle that I'm in right here, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who broke it. I'm the one who owes it. I want to make sure justice is done. To me, for them. To me, for them. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Wait a minute, I thought you did wrong. Right? This is the beautiful thing about repentance. This is why repentance is not a negative thing. Repentance is, I get it, I see what I've done wrong. The issue's not the sin. The issue's me. It's my heart. It's the way I'm interacting with God. It's the way I view this situation. I'm going to come clean. But the risk that you come clean is you cannot then control what happens after you come clean. You don't get to lay it all out on the table and you go, okay, I, 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 this is what I've done. I've looked at pornography or I'm struggling with pornography or, or uh, yeah, I, I'm drinking too much or uh, I'm, I'm just selfish. You don't get to lay that out on the table and then go, yeah, now I, I know how we can fix it. That's not what a repentant heart does. 
A repentant heart goes, okay, I owe all this. I can't fix it. But I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. That's a change of direction. So repentance is accepting the blame for our sins. I did it. I didn't, I didn't just do it. I did it, period. I have that attitude. I made that choice. There's no excuses for it. There's no reasons for it. I did it. I did it. I'm in this circle. I'm in this marriage. What they do has nothing to do with this. She didn't make me do it. She didn't set up the circumstances whereby I couldn't help but do it. I did it. B, I broke, stole, damaged, hurt. I did it, and here's what I cost. Here's the big thing about repentance. Repentance is not focused so much on the sin. It's focused on the damage that I've done with my sin. I created this mess. I'm the one who hurt her. I owe for that. See, I and I alone owe the person who I have wronged. I want that to settle in. This is the transaction part. I and I alone owe the person who I have wronged and the byproduct the rippling effects of what I've done wrong. I owe that. The second piece is this is a change in my heart and my mind and my soul. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. See, that's why we start with a conversation with God. That's where your heart connects. You can't change your own heart. God can change your heart. It's a change in my heart and my mind and my soul. It's a change in what I think. It's a change in the way that I relate to God and the way I relate to other people. And it's a change in my soul or my body, what I do. It's a change in all three of those areas. If you change in just one of those areas, that's not repentance. That's one-third or one-half repentance. It's not repentance. You say, doesn't it count? No. No. That's like jumping off a cliff, right? And like You're going to land in this nice uh, trampoline down there. They had that. Yeah, they just had half the trampoline set up. It's not going to work. You don't get points. Repentance is an all-or-nothing deal. A change in my heart, my mind, and my soul. It's contrition. Contrition, which is humility felt. Humility is really easy to track. Just look at your eyes. When you have haughty eyes, haughty eyes always defend yourself. You're always like, okay, yeah, yeah I did that wrong, but you did this. Uh, you, you, no, wait, there's some place here where I have something to defend. 
No, 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 no. There's a part of this where I'm still good. That's haughty eyes. Soft or hum- humble eyes. I got nothing to hide. I did it. I owe it. I want to move forward from here. What are we going to do? What do I need to do? And it leads to a vow. It leads to a vow, an allegiance, a direction. So I'm going to use an illustration that is, it's a little silly, but it's real. The reason why I'm going to use a silly one is because I don't want you to get all caught up on the really big ones. Because sometimes the really big ones can distract us. I've been married for 39 years, and for 39 years I've had the exact same habit. I started this habit when I was really, I got married when I was 17, so really young. Um, I would stop, anywhere I stopped for the day, I would take off my socks, I'd take off my shoes, and they just stay right there. That's where they stay. Yeah. That's what my wife said. For 39 years, she said that. Now, I've thought this through. I thought I deserved it. I really thought I deserved it. Because you see, I work pretty hard. If you hang out with me, most people who hang out with me go, that guy works really hard. I serve a lot. Like I pour into people. And my wife had arthritis almost our entire married life. So I really poured into her. And so of all of this pouring and giving and, ah, I deserve it. Like, it's my one pleasure in life. Like, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't do, right? My one pleasure in life is I get to take my socks and shoes off and leave them in that place. I don't have to take care of them. It's like, ah, it's the way the world should be. (laughs) Right? Does that make sense to you? It's the way the world should be. So we're, and this has come up over and over, for 39 years, it's come up over and over again. She accepted it and loved me through it. And I thought it's a cool relationship, right? I leave my socks, she cleans them up. I know she loves me. It's good. Like, I, it's, it's good. We take re-engage and it comes up. We take re-engage again and it comes up. And then we're asked and re-engage to pray that prayer. God, you see any wicked way in me? And God goes... What's the deal with the socks? I'm like, yeah, it's something we've worked out. It's really cool. I leave them and she picks them up. He said, does that cause you to engage with her? I said, it's really cool. I leave them there. She picks them up. She said, do you do that out of love? I said, it's really cool. I leave them there. She picks them up. Is there any good reason to leave your socks on the floor? No. Is it the loving thing to do? No. What are you going to do about it? I don't do it anymore. Don't do that. I'm sorry, I should have told you not to do that before that. I don't do that. Oh, way to go, pastor. Repentance has nothing to do with pastor. 
It has nothing to do with me. I didn't go, I'm going to re-engage with my wife. I'm going to engage with my, I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to start picking up my socks. No, that is not what happened. God said, I'm not crying over socks. God said, this is the sin. I want to set you free. Now, he didn't say that. I didn't hear that part. Because you don't hear that part until after you start picking up your socks. Right? He said, no, this has got to go. It's between me and God. has nothing to do with Lori whatsoever. It's between me and God. Now, it is true. After two weeks of, not, of picking up my socks, I said, Lori, because like, I want praise for it and all that stuff. That's not part of repentance. Like, and I walked through these steps. The only reason I leave my socks on the floor is because of my own selfishness, period. That's it. I owe her to pick those up. It's not for her to fix. It's for me to fix. And how do I fix it? By determining to fix it. No. I surrender. I change. Heart, mind, soul. I give that to Christ. And whatever he calls upon me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And I make a vow. I change my allegiance. My allegiance is no longer to me in the way it ought to be and how hard I work. My allegiance is to Christ and how much he loves my wife. That's my allegiance. My direction, totally different. And although I did falter and I wanted to get the pat on the back, that, that's, that actually destroys the whole thing, right? No. Between me and God. This is what repentance is. I'm going to read this next thing. It's just, it's something I found and it just said it so well. I changed a few words, but it said it so well. Repentance is not a word of weakness, but a word of power and action. It is not self-effacing emotion, but a, a word of heroic resolve. But you're not the hero. Jesus is. It is not, it is an act that breaks the chains of captive sinners and sets heaven into singing. I am free because it is no longer hidden. It's not in here, it's out there. The penalty has been paid, and the byproduct is now on a timer. Listen to this the byproduct is now on a timer or a path to payment. So you don't manage the sin, you don't manage the byproduct, you don't manage the consequences. When will this be over? I don't know, but it will be over. I am no longer in charge of reading my life. Someone else is. I simply have to follow their plan, and I will. It is no longer valuable to me. I do not hate the shame or consequences. I just hate the sin. 
Guys, would you come forward? We're going to take communion. And as we do, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. God, would you please search my heart and test me? Would you show me? Go ahead, you guys can get started. Will you show me if there's any wicked way in me? What they're passing out is a piece of bread and some juice. The bread represents bodies, Christ's body, which was broken for you. Now catch this. Will you come clean about this sin he talked to you about? He's going to touch a sin. He's going to bring one up. If he brings up three of them, pick the smallest one. Don't go after the big one. Pick the small one. And the first thing that he says is, I personally paid for that sin. You broke it. You owe it. You need to pay it, but you can't. But why? Because every time you try to pay something back, you just break more things. Only he can do it. Between you and him, only he can pay for it. Will you take your sin and bring it to him? Now be careful before you do this. Because once you bring the sin, you don't get to control who finds out. Once you bring the sin, you don't get to control what he's going to call upon you to do to turn direction and go the other way. You don't have control any longer. It's not your life anymore. It's his life. Remember, you gave it to him. It's not your sin anymore. It's his sin. And he's going to deal with it. See, because repentance isn't just about the sin. It's about the heart and the mind and the action. Jesus wants it all. This may be a small sin. Will you give it to him? Will you change your allegiance from yourself to him? He has my sin, which he's going to pay for, and therefore he has me. Bow your heads, spend a few time, little moments with Jesus. Keep your eyes closed. Keep having that conversation. I'm going to run to the back and grab a few of the elements. You just keep talking to Jesus about that conversation. 
because we're about to take the bread. And when we do, that decision is you're going to give that to him. Therefore, he, he not only is going to pay for it, but you're giving him the authority to rule in your life in that area. Lord Jesus, thank you that you would give your body to be broken, that we could be free of sin. It scares us. It really scares us to bring this to you. But it's the only hope we have. Let's take the bread together. Next is the juice. Keep your eyes closed if you would, because this is a conversation with God. So don't let anything around you distract you. Just focus and interact with him. The juice represents his blood, which has the power to wash away your sin and make you white as snow. This is an interesting picture because it means it wipes out your sin. It wipes away your sin. And so many times, when it comes to repentance, We do want to repent of the act. We want to get out of trouble. But at this point, it's that, no, I don't want to sin anymore. What do you mean? I mean, I will never, ever, ever be able to leave my socks on the floor again. Look, that's a a small thing. Okay, apply it to your sin. I'll never, ever. Jesus, you can have it. You can take it out of my life. You can wash me clean. I not only don't need that sin anymore, I hate it. Jesus, just like you hate it, I hate it. Just like you hated it so much that you would come give your life to set me free from it, I hate it. See, at this point is, are you going to love Jesus more, your heart, or love the sin more? You're going to love your wife more? your husband more, your children more, or love the sin more? Would you dare to give it up today and give it to him? This isn't a promise that you'll never do it. It's a decision of the heart to turn away from it. If you want to make that decision between you and Jesus, take the juice together. The blood of Christ, which has the power to wash you clean. You now stand before Jesus, white as snow. In your name we pray. Amen.